1: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 the answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
2: Good afternoon everybody. Kind of a gloomy day, so grab a cup of tea, cup of coffee and let's uh, talk about a few things and First, if I may, uh, you know, the, the world's in upheaval and, uh, I would like to make a shout out to some of our, uh, our servicemen and women. So uh, these, these all come from, I had a great uh, conversation this week with a guy that went to, you know, who was a ranger and I'm going to use him as the last quote, but, uh, uh, if I just may talk to these people, um, You will never be anything in this world without courage. It is the greatest quality of the mind next to honor. Ain't that the truth? Strength doesn't come from what you can do. It comes from overcoming the things you once thought you couldn't do. And then finally, this is for my ranger friend. His drill sergeant told him this you might screw up, you might even fail, but never, ever quit. <laughs> God bless our service men and women. All right. Uh, anyway, so, uh, I mean, it was, it was a tough week. And um, what I thought was interesting it, is I was listening to Lori Calvacina, who's our head strategist, as you probably know, if you listen to this show fairly regularly. And I, I thought it was kind of interesting, de- despite these macro headwinds that we're seeing. And I mean, look, I've been doing this a long time and uh, <laughs> I haven't seen so much, you know, stuff, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's this big headwind in, in the, you know, you're climbing uphill almost, okay, uh, in the markets. And, you know, you got a 5% yield on the 10 year, uh, you've got, you know, you've got <laughs> Ukraine, you've got Israel, you've got, uh, you know, uh, politics and, uh, you know, and you've got a Fed that is tightening things. So it's it's tough. But with all this happening, Rory says the rate of upward earnings per share estimate revisions for the S&P 500 has turned slightly negative in October. You know, that was the slight bias upwards that she saw in August and September. So uh, she's actually seen a little bit of cooling on the earnings sentiment uh, as a positive development as the you know the third quarter reporting season gets in a full swing. That being said, uh, she's concerned that two of the sectors that have been particularly noteworthy fade on this metric are industrials and materials. So uh, we keep we're keeping a close eye on that commentary uh, going forward and uh, we'll keep a look. But, you know, after, you know, she upgraded her earnings last week. So uh, on the review of the s and 500 call uh, scripts from September, the macro is starting to take a toll. Okay. So companies continue to emphasize the resiliency of the consumer who has become a lot more selective in, in their spending. So, We're reading about, you know, macro uncertainty, uh, inflation, interest rates are impacting demand and, and, you know, spending. So it's more it's more on the corporate side right at the moment. And so pricing commentary remains mixed. There's a fair amount of emphasis on how it's moderating. Okay, labor force reductions uh, as a cost of saving mechanism is another theme that's jumped out. But we haven't heard about that in a while. And, and, you know, she uh, searched on the impact of the resumption of the student loan payments to the Russell 3000 companies and finds there, there's very little direct, you know, um, commentary on that issue. So we'll see what what else she says. But some other things that stood out to her, I think, are pretty interesting. Um, large caps no longer have an advantage over small caps on earnings. So revision trends, you know, and she looks at this stuff, uh, have hit both of them. So, this, you know, this is, believe it or not, it's positive for the beleagued small caps. Uh, small caps, you know, ever since October of 21, which, you know, uh, Rob Schleimer made a good call there. He said they broke down, uh, you know, which looked deeply undervalued, by the way. Uh, they've been lacking a catalyst. Uh, and in recent meetings, we have em- emphasized that. Equity investors need to get more confident the Fed cuts are coming and a a, a recession could be avoided uh, for the small caps to lead again. You know, they usually lead out. So we'll just leave it at that. And I mean, look, we've got a a darkening geopolitical backdrop and domestic political dysfunction in Washington. So we're stunned that the AAII net bullishness was at plus three point five. In favor of the bulls. All right. Um, So people aren't bearish enough yet. All right. That may happen soon, but it's not right now. So this explains the ongoing difficulty equity investors are having. You know, they're they're trying to price all this uh, into the market, and we had a decent start to the earnings season, um, which eased the interest rate fears a little bit. But then the interest interest rates kept going up, so. Uh, Look, I'm not an expert in interest rates, so I'll just leave that alone. But uh, U.S. equity flows have deteriorated again into uh, negative territory on a four-week basis. So the money's coming out again. Bond inflows have continued to fade because nobody knows where the top is. And global equity and bond bond fund flows have turned slightly negative also. So within large cap, passive flows are fading. So nobody's buying the indexes anymore. Growth flows have turned negative, and value outflows are worsening again. Uh, so every category of small flow, small cap flows, we track have worsened. At the at the sector level, consumer, financials, industrials are all worsening, and or have turned negative. And the only bright spot in the U.S. Uh, data flows, where trends are improving, are energy, telecom, utilities, and REITs. And and I think utilities and REITs. You know we always talk about buying yield when it's down, and and that's probably what people are thinking. They're kind of hiding that way. Outside of the U.S., Canada, Australia, Japan equities are seeing flows and but European equities and, and China are, are seeing still seeing deterioration. So, you know, it's tough. It, you know, we're in this narrowing path. I mean, you know, we looked at the S&P 500, and this is the most narrow the you know an up year has ever been as far as the number of stocks participating, and and so there continues to be a, a pot, you know a diminishing possibility that the S and P 500 perhaps uh, you know a lot of other developed markets could post new highs in the next few months as long as faith is so called soft landing is occurring, but beneath the surface, the spending power and confidence of the U.S. consumer are under pressure. That's what's been holding the market up, all right? So look, it's compressed by deleted savings, higher interest rates, uh, a growing unwillingness of banks to lend, and, and energy costs are up, you know? So that's all stuff that, that could be a problem going forward. Um, so this narrow leadership is a problem. Now, look, I'm going to make a, a, a comment here. If you don't have a plan, these are the times where you're not sleeping. I highly recommend wealth a wealth plan. Uh wealth management's important. And uh, you know, fortunately in times like this, what I can do if, if my client wants, is I can go and do a what if. I can go to and there's a thing called playground that if you look, we can do a wealth plan for you as a prospective client. If you're a client what I can do is say, okay, what happens here, all right? So, uh, you know, how how can we fix it? You know, that type of thing, and so we could do what ifs, all right? And, and this is when you need a, this is when you you need to understand, you need to feel confident that things are going to work for you. Okay, so I just mentioned that simply because I mention it every week, and uh, you know, there you go. So, you know, in, in Toronto. Um, We have a gentleman by the name of Sean Killen, and and he wrote a piece just recently about the opening acts of a recession. And, you know, it's hard to pinpoint the actual start of a recession, you know, and and, and that's one of the things. So the question is, are we going to hit it? Now, we've had a lot of spending. We've got a lot of government spending going on. So the soft landing scenario is still in the back of everybody's mind. But it is a consensus viewpoint. And I'll be darned if I can remember the last time the consensus was right, all right? So, uh, look, the majority, uh, let's put it this way. Since the onset of major uh, central banks' monetary tightening campaign started in the first half of 2022, the probability of a recession has risen. And a lot of the attention has been focused on certain risk bastards that pretend a possible uh, economic um, contraction. Now, we talked last week about calm, how we have we look at six indicators. Two are positive, two are neutral, and two are negative. So, you know, we don't see it, but I think when you know when recession risk starts to increase, short term yields rise higher than long term yields. That's the way it's been for a while. Now the long term yields are turning around. So it's it's interesting. Um, you know the interest rates are going to take their toll. The question is, how long is it going to take for them to do it? Because they do take a long time. So, you know, look, this narrow leadership that we've been talking about, you know, the trend continues. I, I, I think there's like, well, you know, the Magnificent Seven, as they call them. You know, you look them up. Uh, but there's 12 stocks that are responsible for like 160% of the gain in the S&P 500 this year. So the average stock is flat to down. You know, the Russell 2000 is really ugly. So, um, you know, and and even dividend stocks, which have usually been, you know, good places to hide, uh, you know, have been getting beat up. So, uh, you know, and by the way, you know, when yields up and those stocks are down, you know, that's when you want to buy yield. I'm not saying today's the day. All right. But you might want to look at at like our dividend growth portfolio our prime income list. And all you have to do is go to WHK 1420 local podcast down to the smart investor show. And they have all sorts of contact me, email me and, and look while you're there, uh, you know, under insight, uh, the, the top column there, they have insight and, and they've got a lot of good stuff. Uh, they have two new, two new pieces in there that I highly recommend. I'm not going to talk about them. You just overlook yourself. And then under bulletin board has some of Rob Schneimer's stuff, you know he's our head technical guy and he's been he's been good a good guide and we also have our weekly newsletter there so uh, something to look at but I think you know uh, look dividends are important they've been forty percent of the gain in the S and P 500 for the last sixty years so it, you know you want to look at them anyway whether you buy them or not that's up to you um, you know I just think it's important that you buy yield when it's down so. But I, I think you know if if you look, uh, these magnificent seven have been, you know, basically m- most of the <laughs> most of the return, uh, you know, and and that's that's narrow leadership. Matter of fact, as our people have said, and you know, uh, twice now, um, and if you wanted these reports, sure, we can get them get them out to you. It's just, it's the most narrow market we've ever had, um, and you know, there's. There's seven stocks for, that have contributed to the S&P 500 returns this year. Fortunately, I own several of them, which are good. Uh, but you know, it, it's a it's a narrow market. It's a tough market. So, uh, yeah. you know, the question is when does it bottom? And you know, I thought it was interesting. We had a healthcare conference, and you know, Lori Calvisina, our head strategist, has been talking about the healthcare stocks, and and they just haven't haven't caught a bid. You know, um, so you know, we'll see what happens going forward, but I think it's important that we take a look at, at where we are, you know, and, 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 and like I said, you know, check your blind spot. Okay. So most people right now are, uh, you know, wondering what the heck's going on. I got a lot of cash in, in a lot of my accounts, or I have a lot of stocks that, we've owned them for a long long time and you know last thing you want to do is uh, gain capital gains in a year like this but remember you know back when you, you driver's training you you signal you 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 look at the mirror you look over your shoulder all right so that's the sh- smog is what they call it <laughs> it's been drilled into our heads of of any student driver over the years and it's an attention and a second nature to check thoroughly before switching lanes or Turning, okay. So where is your blind spot? And that's the key. You know, traditional investment research has focused on financial data, data ratios to understand how a value a stock, a company's stock. Things like revenue, earnings for shares, dividends are all great places to start. And in recent years, companies have increased their disclosure. And you know, so there's extra financial data. So, you know, I could talk about case studies and all that good stuff, but the point is is that uh you know, you've got to look at other things that affect these companies because it's not just the company, right? It's the economy, it's their customers, it's the consumer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think right now is an important time to check your blind spot. All right. So uh, a couple things. Wealth plan right now. I'm telling you, the people with a wealth plan feel much better. I still think we're going to make it through this. OK, uh, it's going to be tough uh, because, the, uh, you know, look, there's there's been all sorts of things going on. And it, it's tough to keep a positive attitude for the long run. I've seen times like this. I've been through times like this. OK. And it's it's tough. And you're in a tunnel right now, and you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but it'll come, it'll come. All right, it's always darkest before the dawn, and all that good stuff. But you know, remember, where is your blind spot? You have a wealth plan. You might know at this point. Okay, uh, there's all sorts of things that uh, you know we could talk about, but uh, you know, I, I think, look, there's in times like this, uh, I think you just you, you maybe it's time to have an appointment. and talk to me about some things. So uh, anyway, we're we're going to take a break here, and we'll be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. Making your way in the world today takes
0: everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries
3: sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? My first ride-along was with Jamal even before I was hired. They wanted me to see everything from the ground level before moving forward, and it was awesome. The first time I came in, I got to sit in on a meeting and never realized that plumbers have that level of organization and sophistication to their operations. And I say that as a former degreed project manager, as well as an Air Force vet. After getting out of the service, my wife and I moved to Cleveland, and I just wasn't happy with the corporate-style desk jobs. So I prayed for a sign, That next morning, my best friend called me about this radio ad on The Fish for a company he thought would be perfect for me. And he was right. Wyatt Works was a godsend. You have to want to help people. But if you do, this job is fulfilling in ways that the right person won't find anywhere else. If you want that for your life, call us direct and consider
0: it done at WyattWorks.com. License number
3: 30185.
0: While doodle. This is Dennis Prager. Now you can listen to my show when it's convenient for you and without censorship from big tech. Become a member of the ultimate online community for all things Prager. It's PragerTopia Unlimited. Listen to every radio show over the last 10 years, all commercial free. You can even listen to all my Torah teachings for free. Join today and save 25% off the first year and get a free Pragertopia coffee mug. Go to pragertopia.com or click the banner at dennisprager.com.
4: At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC.
2: Okay, we're back. You know, I was um, just looking, and, uh, you know, there's a piece out that that several people have uh, asked for. And which is unusual because it usually takes about three or four weeks to people ask for stuff. But it's called taking control of healthcare in your retirement. You know, healthcare costs tend to be a third of what you spend in retirement. So this is a good way of, you know, planning. Look, planning can help you rein in medical expenses and keep you financially fit. That's simple. And uh, I think it's it's important that you uh, uh, understand that. So it's available uh you know we'll leave we'll leave it at that. You know, um I, I had a lot of questions. I've been having a lot of questions, people calling in and uh, you know, I pick up the phone by the way, um, and asking me questions about, you know, the, the dollar and, and it going digital. And I, I don't think we can afford to do that yet. Look, what we want to do is keep the dollar as the reserve currency it allows us to print money. And if we didn't, uh, you know, most of our politicians would be in trouble, I think. Uh, but, you know, the point is um, it, it's the the dollar right now is our reserve currency. So digitalizing it, uh, I don't think would, would go over big <laughs> uh, with a lot of people. So I just think it's important that, um, you know, Look, electronic payments are on the rise as cash usage has declined across the globe. I mean, some people don't even take cash anymore. And then our local pizza take guy takes nothing but cash. So I think that's kind of interesting. But, you know, I, I mean, I've been to three or four places this week where they don't take cash. And these are restaurants, you know, they don't take cash. So I, I that's. You know, interesting. So central banks, you know, and digital currencies or uh, CBDCs, as they call them, in theory offer faster and cheaper payments, and they allow people currently outside the traditional banking system to access the financial financial infrastructure, and and it could reduce settlement risk and stuff like that, and, and delays on international trade. But I don't think it's going to happen soon. So I, I. Uh, you know, I, I just think that's important. And look, I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to talk a little bit. You know, we've been talking about this uh, and they're beating these stocks up, which is great. OK, so, you know, because you want to buy things when you're down. But the next gen AI chips and servers, you know, we talked about uh, require advanced cooling technology. And I, I think these stocks are going to get whacked because of the higher interest rates. OK, uh, you know, five percent you know, Rob Schleimer has a theory on 5% interest rates and above, you know. And so these, th- this cooling system, this data system cooling, you know, area, they're not going to stop AI, I don't think. Uh, AI, I think, is where the Internet was long, long time ago. So these these um, companies have great long-term profiles. I think they're going to be weak in the near future. You know, that's just Tim talking now. Uh, Some of the charts look kind of questionable, but I think they're going to be very viable very shortly. Um, But, you know, the point is, is that, look, AI has these GPUs and they have chips in them and the chips run hot. And I think some of the, the legacy or, uh, you know, data center cooling companies uh, have a problem that they got to go to liquid because forced air, it's, you know, if you get 125 degree, you know, warehouse, it's hard to cool it down with forced air. So the liquid cooling is going to be more prevalent and we have a great report on it. Uh, look, you know, data center liquid cooling markets uh, are, there is a very interesting, fast growing thing and there's a lot of advantages of liquid versus air cooling and there's three type of, you know, liquid cooling uh, technologies right now. So I, I think there's some key key players in that space and liquid cooling should move the needle for several companies that we follow. So uh, anyway, I, it's a great report. If you'd like to get it, uh, it's called uh, RBC Imagine Data Center Liquid Cooling Market. And I, I look, um, these companies, AI is not going away, no matter what the fed does. I don't think it's, I don't think it's going away. I think it's, you know, here to stay for a while. And, and, and also, you know, if you look at AI and I'm, I'm reviewing this from a couple weeks ago, but a lot of these companies have very strong financial performance, uh, performance. they'll probably be people who have cloud dominance, uh, that all of them have made, uh, AI investments and there's a GPU shortage right now, so you know that might be <laughs> that might be the reason some of these uh, uh, cooling companies are, are backing off a little bit. But they're going to expand data centers. Trust me on that, uh, especially as AI grows. So that's going to be big capex growth, and I think there'll be some strategic partnerships. And we have a whole list of who the top AI companies are related. So uh, we th- these are available you if you like, and we'll take it from there. So, uh, you know, uh, look, the 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 market's having a hard time with interest rates right now, okay? And the long-term interest rates, so we were in, in, in what they call a uh, inverted yield curve, and it's no longer so inverted. You know, and inverted yield curve usually means a recession, and a non-inverted yield curve means, you know, usually things are picking up. But, you know, if you look at the S&P 500, there's quite a bit of support right where we are now and quite a bit of resistance at like the 4637 area. And one of the things that, you know, Rob Schleimer invented was called the weekly quadrant balance indicator. Now, Rob is our head technician, and he's a really good one. And it's fairly oversold. Matter of fact, I haven't seen it this oversold uh, since 2022, uh, April and July. You know, we had April, we had a big move up and then we had to pull back into July. So, you know, it's pretty oversold. So uh, and given Friday, it might even be more oversold. So I think it's something that you have to pay attention to. Uh, and if you look at some of the the momentum indicators, the the Daily momentum. Now, quadrant balances on a weekly basis. The daily momentum on the S and P and the Nasdaq are pretty oversold. Also, so you uh, know, look, you know, I think it's something that, um, you, you, you know, everybody's negative right now. We're not negative enough, unfortunately. But now, I, one thing I, I, you know, Rob has talked about several times, and he said that the semiconductors remain an important barometer for the broader. Uh, equity market. And the, the third quarter pullback in the Sox Semiconductor Index is showing evidence of bottoming, okay, in Rob's opinion. And, you know, our expectations is, you know, there's a seasonal low. Remember, you know, we talked about seasonality and to some extent here on this show for several uh, weeks now. September's a bad year. I mean, you go back to, to the 20s and September is a bad month it's just a bad month. It's the worst month of the year. October, the beginning of October, is pretty ugly normally, too. But it seems to be a bottoming month. Now, I don't know if that's going to hold this time around, but uh, it seems to be a bottoming month in a lot of the cases. So, you know, remember what they say, go away in May and come back on All Souls Day. So All Souls Day is come creeping up pr- pretty quick. It's uh, 10 days away. So, uh, so look, I think we view the trend for semis, uh, consisting of higher lows and uh, high, yeah, higher lows and higher highs, uh, to be intact, and expect the pullbacks to be relatively short-lived. And we we think we could rally into the uh,
4: the fourth quarter.
2: Now, the relative performance for the uh, versus the stock on the S and P five hundred is also looking fairly good too. So, uh, you, you know, we're in a situation where um, I think you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that uh, are are down. Okay. So, you know, we have all these macro and geopolitical headwinds and equity markets remain on track to probably establish, uh, you know, a fourth quarter low through earnings. We think short-term momentum tracking two to four week swings are oversold and bottoming line with the expectations, uh, you know, as so the S&P rallied into key support and then rose to 200 day, above the 200-day moving average. And then we saw the first resistance around 4444.24. 4,424. Uh, we expected the S&P to pull back, it did. All right. So more importantly, I think the weekly indicators tracking two to four-month swings are increasingly oversold for most of the markets and likely to bottom, okay, over the coming weeks. Uh, with growth stocks leading the turn, probably, and safety stocks suitably oversold the bounce. I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, companies that make food and healthcare have been, have just been crushed because of a certain drug, and uh, you know that's been cutting uh, diabetes risk drastically. So, I, I think they, you know, we we said that we think we've overdone it a little bit there. So. Uh, you know, our our best case continues to be the equity markets are the early stages of bottoming and heading into, you know, the fourth quarter. Remember, the four-year uh, cycles we talked about. So, um, now, it, well, I tell you, let's stop and let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, the long term, okay? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is the Smart Investor Show.
3: first ride along was with jamal even before i was hired they wanted me to see everything from the ground level before moving forward and it was awesome The first time I came in, I got to sit in on a meeting and never realized that plumbers have that level of organization and sophistication to their operations. And I say that as a former degreed project manager, as well as an Air Force vet. After getting out of the service, my wife and I moved to Cleveland and I just wasn't happy with the corporate style desk jobs. So I prayed for a sign that next morning, my best friend called me about this radio ad on The Fish for a company he thought would be perfect for me. And he was right. Why it Works was a godsend. You have to want to help people. But if you do, this job is fulfilling in ways that the right person won't find anywhere else. If you want that for your life, call us direct and
0: consider it done at WyattWorks.com. License number 30185. Wallaca Doodle. America is kept safe because the Army National Guard responds, protects, and supports our nation when it needs them most. The Army National Guard responds to disasters such as wildfires and floods. They protect us with missile defense, cybersecurity, and civilian support teams for chemical, biological, and radiological hazards. Be there for your community and your country. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard, aired by the Ohio
2: Um, you know, I'm gonna talk about the long term here and and look, one of the worst things that you can do is panic. Okay? People panic a lot and they forget about the long term. Now look, if you're if you're eighty, the long term's shorter. <laughs> All right. If you're forty, the long term's longer, obviously. So I, I just think that panicking doesn't make sense. So there's a lot of people um, who, uh, I mean, if, if you know, if you listen to certain, you know, TV shows, you could probably, you better hope there's not an open window. So let's talk about the long term. So U.S. equity markets are nearing on a very important long term inflection point as pullbacks through the, the third quarter approach key levels in in the fourth quarter. You know, we got interest rates, the U.S. dollar, are, they're ongoing headwinds for stocks. Uh, our base case continues to be the secular uptrend and current market cycle remain intact, and with recent equity declines consistent with seasonal weakness. You know, we talked about September being a bad month, with the potential to bottom probably sometime in this in this fourth quarter, as the technical indicators are becoming oversold and, and very supportive of the year-end rally. It's hard. It's hard when you know you have days like or weeks like last week. Okay, it's hard to think positively. You're supposed to buy low and sell high. Okay, remember that. I've re- remained somewhat optimistic. A lot of my clients and, and uh, people who have been called in think I'm crazy. But, you know, I, I went on the air back in 2008 and, and seven and said that cash would outperform stocks. And I said it for six months. All right. I had people sign up with me and never see, you know, I, I, I didn't buy anything. Okay, so I remain very optimistic that you know, since that fourth quarter of twenty two, given the you know the S and P established a typical four year cycle low near its long term uptrend, uh, which was the two hundred week moving average, by the way, and as the intermediate trend indicators became overbought and peaked early uh, a couple summers ago. we had a seasonal pullback was going to be likely, and now it, it's been helped along by some policies, uh, you know, the Fed tightening all that good stuff. So, um, you know, I think there's a silver lining, and in a stronger than expected uh, employment reports recently, you know, they pushed the yields up. Okay, um, but almost every sector was weak through the third quarter. Interest rate executives a sector such as utilities. Uh, they got whacked, I mean, hard. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, it's kind of premature to, hey, we have a major po- bottom in place, okay, uh, you know, for any of those sectors. But growth groups such as technology have also been weak. So far, their corrections are nearing support and, and seasonal lows developing in October. Interesting, the, the despite the rise in interest rates, the relative performance of growth risk value has been improving. Uh, growth stocks have been go- selling off, but not as much as value. And lastly, the energy complex remains noteworthy, uh, as a, an emerging sector following the correction. Okay. Uh, in, in 2022. So keep that, keep, you know, view energy as an attractive sector and, and uh, part of our barbell, you know, we talked about value on one side, growth on the other, uh, and growth. Uh, so I guess the current trend in interest rates, uh, Remains the ongoing concern, but remember we have these generational cycles. They usually last sixteen to eighteen years. We think, RBC thinks, Rob Schleimer thinks that we started this cycle in twenty sixteen. Which you know, if you put that out, you know, somewhere in twenty thirty four, or you know, the, could last in the early twenty thirties. Let's say, okay. So secular uptrends are defined by pullbacks with cycle lows often developing near a four-year moving average every three to four years. That's the way it goes. Um, maybe you forget in, in 1980, there was a in the 1980s, was 1987. Uh, we had a thing called the crash, okay? Then we had the Russian ruble tri- crisis. Then we we also had in the 90s, you know, it, it, when we hit uh, uh, 1990, we had the Kuwait invasion. So uh, so. I think a break below the 2022 lows at the S&P 500, 3,500 level would be needed to have a negative signal. Okay. So that's the long-term. We're, we're 4,200 right now. So look, these 16 to 18-year equity cycles, uh, the Dow Industrial Index has tr- transitioned from the secular bull market roughly every 17 years and while the bond market has moved in thirty-four year cycles, I don't know why that is, but there, but it, it's, it's the cycle theory. Okay, so there, there are a few long-term cycles for bonds. The equity market has reacted to moves above the four and a half five percent level. Okay, uh, now put differently, the equity market is likely to continue correcting if interest rates stay up. Okay, uh, and. I, you know, unfortunately, we don't know the the answer to that yet. So, um, and I'm not going to make any comments on them because the the interest rates are tough to figure out. So, a repetitive four year cycle is you know so you have the you have these 16 to 18 year cycles, and within them, you usually have four comp- repetitive four year cycles, and they tend to be the same. In a bear market, it's a little bit different, but in a bull market, it's repetitive. Now, one of the things we we always talk about in the show is uh, a momentum figure which we look at and it's the four month moving average over the 13 month. When the four month is over the 13 month, we're usually in a bull phase. When the 13 is above the four, we're usually in a bear phase. When there's a big discrepancy between the two, you know statistically we'll probably go back to you know you'll revert to the mean. okay So it's a technical tool uh, to track the trend of the equity markets. And and we compare it to short-term trends, but measured the green four-month moving average by the 13-month moving average. So this is longer term. But since the fourth quarter of 2022, the faster moving four-month moving average has turned and crossed above the 13-month moving average, which showed a positive, you know, trend. Uh, And so the indicator bottomed in the fourth quarter of 2022, and has built up positively into the summer of 2023, but it's showing signs of uh, decelerating. So that momentum, that histogram of momentum, was the highest I'd ever seen it in 2021. That's why I kept talking about the bullish percent, you know, going from 80 to 60 and all that stuff. And so we, we didn't have a lot of great ideas. And then we went to the lowest oversold reading that we ever had. Uh, that was when we talked about, you know, the... Uh, uh the put to call ratio being the highest that I've ever seen it now we're up there again so what we have you know on on a weekly basis is the s- stocks are you know showing signs of oversold same on a daily basis but on a monthly basis we're overbought so we've got to get rid of that overbought and sometimes it can be done by just going sideways whatever but one thing I like is that if you look at the s p 500, and it's relative performance versus bonds, the relative performance ratio of the S&P 500 versus the Barclays all aggregate Bond Index is beginning to break out. So this is the third year in a row for bonds. You know, if you own the bonds, you got hit in them. Now, if you hold them to maturity, they're fine. But I think, um, you know, look, we had a strong rally in the first half of 2023. The S&P's Pulling back to key support, it, that's around four thousand, you know, forty-two hundred where we're now, and then four thousand, which is near its two hundred day, two hundred yeah, two hundred day moving average. So we see the recent pullback is consistent, okay, and it's that seasonality we talk about. You know, September, boy, if you look at all the way back to nineteen twenty-eight, September is the worst month, followed by February and May. Uh, since two thousand, by the way, it's September. February uh and then it's June and Jan- and January. So I don't know why that's changed, but look, the, the one of the problems we have on the long-term thing is we look at the American Association of Individual Investors and the the bullish versus bearish sentiment. And the bullish sentiment is too bullish right now and the bearish sentiment is not bearish enough uh for us to make an ultimate bottom. So, you know, We'll, we'll take it from there, but, you know, you, you've got to consider all these things for the long run and use – most people, uh, you know, are bailing at the wrong time, okay? Mutual fund flows are – people are selling. Mm-hmm. Now, they found out with mutual funds a long time ago is that, you know, the average investor doesn't do as well as the mutual fund does because they sell out uh, when they have fear when you when you're fearful, you should be greedy. When you're greedy, you should be fearful. It's that simple. So, just keep that in mind, and uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll work from there. So, right now, like I said, is a good time to start a plan. You know, our wealth plan is available to you. Right now, you could be doing what ifs. You know, what if the market sells off again? What should I do? You know, should I put more money in in bonds? You know, that type of thing and i think it's important so uh don't forget that i'll also uh make another pitch for our healthcare taking control of healthcare and retirement got to be one of the biggest things that people can do all right so it's got all sorts of hints and uh good ideas and and then we also have the family inventory workbook uh okay. and you know getting organized at this point is probably a really good idea all right so they're available. If you go to WHK's webpage, WHK 1420 AM, scroll down to the Smart Investor Show. It goes directly to my webpage and, and allows you to, uh, uh, there's all sorts of things, you know, contact me, email me, you know, we'll send out a wealth plan. We'll send out a family inventory workbook and taking co- g- control of healthcare is really important too. So you got to start thinking about the long-term. Everybody's so c- concentrated on the short-term. If you listen to CNBC uh, or any of the, the shows, it's all about the short term. You know these these guys uh, you know, trade like crazy, and sometimes that's not the the best idea. Uh, you know, I can guarantee you if you're trying to trade and you're going against some of the traders in New York, believe me, they are uh, they can turn on a New York City dime. Okay, so uh, it's it's very difficult to. Uh, do that. <laughs> All right. So be careful. Um, but, you know, we're going to talk about the short term in a, in a couple of minutes. But I think it's important that you know that, uh, you know, the long term is still there. People are uh, stepping in and out of the market probably too much. You know, uh, You know, mutual funds are considered a long term investment. I just talked to a couple this week who sold out of all their long, all their mutual funds, uh, you know, probably is a good idea for about two, two months, but, you know, look, with a mutual fund and I had this question, uh, uh, email me to me, uh, before the show, you know, the, the key with a mutual fund is what you want to do is you want to buy. So, you know, what they're doing is their dollar cost averaging as we go along. So keep that in mind as you go forward. All right. Uh, I think it's time to take a break. Let's take a break. We'll be right back.
4: Bad decisions limit future options. Make bad enough decisions and you'll destroy your life. Listen to The line with your host Rick Hughes every Sunday morning at 6.30 here on AM 1420 The Answer. The line describes a mainline resistance in your soul to build on God's Word. Join us every Sunday for 30 minutes of inspiration, motivation, education, all without manipulation. That's The line with Rick Hughes, heard every Sunday at 6.30 a.m. on AM 1420 The Answer. Take it from Charlie Kirk. As I read this New York Times article. So I read the New York Times, so you don't have to. Salem Media Group reaches more people than they realize. This is my favorite line of the whole thing. Their hosts are big names, and they have huge reach, which makes them one of the most powerful forces in conservative media.
0: Tap into our big names to help grow your business. Call Tim Vaughn at 216-525-1818. 216-525-1818. Thank you for finally noticing.
2: Oh no, that's not four seasons. Uh, Yeah, McCoy, I'm sorry. Uh, Anyway, um, if you're wondering why I talked about mutual funds, there is, uh, you know, we have new software, and it, my system went down for about 30 seconds there to a minute, and it happens sometimes. So, anyway, uh, let's talk about. You know, I I think it's very important, and and I was looking at some of the the. The stuff that we used to talk about on this show, and um, some of those indicators are down pretty far. They're they're just hovering uh, where they need to go below, which they may have done that Friday. I just have not looked at it yet. But look, we if if you were a rational person and you heard everything that was going on in the world, you know. Keep your money under the mattress, all right? So the, the macro and the geopolitical headwinds in the equity markets remain nuts. And But this is what bottoms markets, okay? So short-term indicators, uh, momentum, put the call ratios, tracking two to four weeks, swings are really oversold and, and bottoming the line with expectations that the S&P rallies from Key, uh, key Support, which is around 4,200. And then, uh, which, you know, because it coincides with a rising 200-day moving average, we cut – we're right there, okay? So, I think the first key resistance after that would be 4,400 to 4,427. And, and, you know, I'm just – I'm going by Rob Schleimer's work because he's he's a really good technician. And uh, so, I think what's really more important is the weekly indicators tracking two- to four-month swings are increasingly oversold. Uh, for most markets and likely to bottom, I think over the coming weeks and, you know, look, it's hard to talk to you about, you know, when things are down, but you may recall I, I back in uh, March of 2009, I said, I think we've hit a generational low and people thought I was nuts. I, (laughs) maybe I was, but it was, so it's always darkest before the dawn. I just think we need to get people a little bit more bearish. All right. Um. Now our best case scenario, this is RBC's, continues to be that the, you know the the equity markets are in the early stages of bottoming, heading into earnings uh, season, and we expect it, it to kind of be a zigzag pattern consisting of uh, you know, the current bounce followed by another pullback potentially into the F O you know the uh, ten I think it's the first week of uh, November is the FOMC meeting, so the equity markets appear to be tracking for a normal bottom and. Uh, like i said seasonally september's the worst month it was a bad month and it's you know and usually it's the first couple weeks of october are negative and then we work our way out okay now that doesn't mean you know we can't have another sell off of some some sort but like i said the technical backdrop on a daily and a weekly basis the momentum is very oversold and i know that you know you say, what good does that do me usually they're right. Those momentum figures, man, I'm telling you, they, they work great. All right. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I think the, the the uptrend in yield um, is a problem and, and it's going to be, you know, uh, Rob always, Rob Schlammer is always talking about what happens when you get over four and a half five 5% on, on the yield. Uh, what happens to the market it's usually not good stuff. Um, and large cap growth is kind of rebuilding its leadership to large-cap value. Now, technology did get beat up a little bit last week, and uh, mid-cap growth versus mid-cap value is also improving. So it's challenging its 2023 highs, while small-cap growth uh, versus value is lagging very badly, by the way. Now, the other thing we got to talk about is high beta cyclicals uh, versus low volatility safety. Now, they took a lot of the safety stocks out and shot them because of a drug, you know, uh, that has shown weight. Uh, You you lose weight and and your diabetes goes down. Uh, And and a lot of these things are beat up. And I think, you know, some are pretty good buys, in Tim's opinion. But similar to the growth versus value, high beta versus low volatility uh, continues to show some signs a bottoming near the, the 50 to 62% retracement of the 2023 rally. You know, that's, those are numbers that, uh, usually are consistent with, uh, bottoms. Semiconductors. Okay. Remain a key driver of this relationship with, uh, there's a growing list of semis becoming oversold intermediate term and showing some signs of bottom. So we'll keep that. We'll hopefully keep that, you know, in the back of our heads, but, uh, look, uh, the one thing we have to worry about is, is the monthly momentum on the S&P is still overbought. So, you know, if you track two- to four-year swings, it remains positive after bottoming out, you know, uh, back in October of last year. But it's starting to decelerate, pause, shall we say. So, you know, I think Rob's expectation is that, you know, its current pullback is consistent with seasonal weakness. And it's likely bottom in conjunction with earnings, you know, and all that good stuff. So what could change our view? You know, a break below the S&P 500 on uh, the S P 500 below 4,000. Uh, and, you know, the 200-week moving average is currently at uh, 3889. That would be needed to suggest the cycle is beginning to fail a little bit. So that would be a lower high is what we're talking about. So. We'll see what happens, but the, the short-term stuff is pretty oversold. So there, you know, maybe there's a rally first, is what he's saying. But remember, we go back to seasonality. Since 1928, September is the worst month. February is the second. May is the third. Uh, since 1980, October the the first two weeks of October have been ugly, and the last week of October is usually pretty good. So keep that in the back of your head. All right, uh, and you know. Rob designed this thing called uh, Weekly Quadrant Balance Indicator, and it's it, it tracks the percentage of stocks which peaked back in June and July, and it's now oversold, and likely the bottom in the fourth quarter. Uh, I don't know if it's going to hit a new low or not. You know, you can't tell that, but you know, it, it, as long as we hold that 4,000 on the S&P 500, I I think, you know. It, that the seasonal low is there, but if we break below 4,000, that would negate our view, I think. And, uh, you know, we always got to tell you about the downside, um, and it can happen. So the daily momentum is bottoming and it's turning supportive of a bounce. Okay. What do I do right now? I can't tell you, it's time to get organized folks, get a wealth plan, sit down with me. And, and, uh, you know, we could go over what ifs, uh, I think right now, you know, with the yields being up, it's a good time to buy yield, whether it's, you know, a bond, like our bond list, uh, municipal bonds right now look good. Uh, Our CD list, please let us know. Uh, Our digital, I mean, our our dividend growth portfolio and our prime income list are pretty important too. And look, the other thing is, you know, I talked about this, uh, you know, healthcare and retirement thing, and it's important. You gotta know that that's one of the most important things that's gonna happen the next you know, the day you retire going on. Healthcare is gets expensive and you gotta know what to do, okay? So it's a good piece to have. And don't forget, AI is not going away. All right. So we have a couple of reports on AI, and I think that's very, very important. So keep that in the back of your head. If you'd like to have an appointment with me, go to my webpage, go to WHK 1420, go to local podcast down the smart investor show goes right to my webpage. There's all sorts of contact me, email me. Let's have a cup of coffee or let's just sit down and talk. All right. In the meantime, have yourself a wonderful weekend. This is a Smart Investor Show. Don't forget to buy low and sell high.